Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. This is podcast number 158. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. And in today's episode, I'm really excited to be interviewing the CEO of the American Physical Therapy Association, Michael Bowers. I was lucky enough to sit with him at the APTA Next Conference, which was held in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago. And he's such an interesting guy, and I'm really excited for him to kind of share his background and his story with everyone, uh, with all of you listeners. But before we get to that, uh, like I mentioned in the podcast last week, each week I'm going to be kind of uh, highlighting uh, something interesting and cool that might be happening in the health, wellness, physical therapy, personal training realm. Um, And so this week, I'm really excited to talk about a program started by Raven Sara Trevilian. She is a massage therapist. She's on the West Coast. She was actually one of the speakers at the San Diego Pain Conference this past February. She's super cool. She's just the kind of person that when you're around her, you just want to be around her more. And actually, she's going to be coming on the podcast in a couple weeks, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, this project that she has, but I wanted everyone give everyone a heads up. So she has started a GoFundMe page. You can go to that page by going to www.gofundme.com slash traumaawaremassage. So what she is doing is she is seeking $10,000 to help create a college-level program in trauma-aware massage therapy at Pacific Northwest College of Allied Health Services and trauma-aware Massage therapy is based on a proposal by Christopher Moyer, Dr. Christopher Moyer, and it's integrated with the latest science-based knowledge on trauma, stress, depression, and anxiety, and she wants to use this money to develop courses for certification of licensed massage therapists in trauma-aware massage therapy, and uh, you can read about uh, trauma-aware massage therapy or effective massage therapy can uh, treat people with PTSD, social uh, uh, social network, suicide risks, uh, lots of really great, um, great, great stuff. So it's she's using it uh, for a lot of people coming back uh, from uh, the military, so working with our veterans. So if you want to donate, you want to learn more about trauma-aware massage, go to, again, GoFundMe.com slash TraumaAwareMassage. And Ravensar will be on the show in a couple of weeks to talk more about it. But in the meantime, go help her out. Give her some money. She's a cool lady, and this is a great program. Okay, so getting back to today's program, like I said, super excited. We're going to be talking to APTA CEO Michael Bowers. And he joined the APTA as the CEO early in 2014. And he came, he comes to the APTA, <clears throat> the APTA with recent experience as the CEO of the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. And he had worked in various leadership positions there for more than 25 years. And he presented testimony in 22 state legislatures. The U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate appeared on CNN and NBC Nightly News. And he was instrumental in the AAMFT becoming a part of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Minority Fellowship Program. He is trained as a marriage and family therapist and has prior experience 
as a therapist in the justice system and also a minister, and we're going to talk about that. And he is also an active member of the American Society Association Executives. So, Michael, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. I appreciate it. It's great to be with you. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so let's sort of talk, let's talk a little bit more about you. So, like I said, um, we, I met you at the, the next conference and, you know, we sat down and had such a great conversation and I found you to be um, really interesting and, and uh, inquisitive and curious and I think that those are all great traits, especially for an executive to have. Um, so, let's kind of take it back before you were part of the APTA. Um, and, and you were, you know, part of the AAMFT. You were there for a long time. When did you leave the AAMFT and, and sort of make that transition to the APTA? Uh, I, you know, that's an interesting question because I actually started uh, trying to leave uh, AAMFT several years before I did. Uh, the uh, uh, we had uh, I had been there a long time, and I had set as a marker for my uh, success in my tenure uh, when I began at the organization, and I achieved that several years, in 2009 actually, uh, but then ended up staying through 2012 to help the organization go through a major restructuring of its membership criteria and establishing a new strategic plan. So that, that uh, my goal, and, and as you talk about the state legislatures, I joined AAMFT to uh, be their state government relations person. And so I traveled around the country testifying on licensure and payment issues for marriage and family therapists and for mental health for a number of years before I became the exec uh, there. And uh, my goal was to get uh, marriage and family therapists included in the major health systems in the states to be reimbursed uh, as independent mental health providers and the uh, uh, in, in, in every state by uh, private uh, and public insurance programs uh, and to get uh, marriage and family therapists as independent mental health providers in the VA system. So all of those things actually were completed in 2009. Uh, but then the board said we need to be ready for our next uh, iteration of what we want the organization and the field to be. And uh, so I agreed to stay for three more years and work through that process. Uh, finished that at the end of 2012, and actually in 2013 was mostly in Mexico um, doing a Spanish immersion course and uh, engaging in one of my passions of scuba diving. And when I left, I had told some headhunters that, uh, you know, there are, there are certain criteria that I would have to come back um, and work uh, at another organization. And uh, one of them called me uh, while I was actually in Cozumel uh, scuba diving and said, I, we think you've we found your next job, uh, something that you'd want to do. And uh, it was APTA, and sure enough, APTA uh, ticked all the cri boxes and criteria that I had for something I would want to be investing all of my energy and commitment into. And what were those criteria? What were you looking for that the APTA fit that puzzle? Uh, well, if you, uh, I'm going to answer that indirectly, but I think it will, it will get... Uh, it will give you the picture. Uh, well, maybe directly. I, I think there are, in my work as a, as a family therapist, I think there are really two things that allow people to have health and quality of life. Uh, two 
things they must have, aside from obviously food, clothing, and shelter. One is that if you are not going to be healthy or have good quality of life if your primary social attachments and your relationships are not fulfilling, rewarding, give you a sense of belonging, give you a sense of purpose, give you a sense of meaning. So I think primary social attachments are critical, and obviously that's how I spend a lot of my professional career. But what I learned uh, in my professional career is also that if people don't have what I call, in my language, mastery and agency over their bodies, if their mobility is impaired, if they can't take care of themselves, if they, if they can't uh, move to the fullest extent in a way that manages quality of life, if that's another aspect that is incredibly dynamically important. So that if you give people primary social attachments and health and the ability and mobility, uh, you have empowered them to fulfill their greatest potential as a human being. So one of the things that I have told the headhunter is I want a, I want a group uh, that I think uh, is doing good work where if I do my work well, it scales, uh, that uh, a group that, like my other group, is perhaps under-recognized and undervalued by society because I learned to be an advocate, uh, and, uh, and something that is nodal. If you change that for a person, it changes everything for them. So those are those are the kinds of things, and and we had talked about you know. So that means you probably wouldn't work as much as you might like to have beer. You probably wouldn't go work for the Beer Institute, or the Distilled Spirits Council. Uh, it'd probably be an individual membership group. It would probably, uh, you know, we sort of we sort of tick some of the boxes. And I had, uh, you know, I was lucky over the years to become friends with four or five uh, headhunters, uh, folks in executive search firms, and so it was. Uh, through that, that they just said, yeah, this is, you know, I stayed on the Rolodex even though I was out of the country, uh, and uh, they gave me a ring. Okay, so you're down in Mexico, you're, you know, hanging out, scuba diving, um, you, get, you get the call from the headhunter that says, hey, we've got this organization, the American Physical Therapy Association, um, and they are looking for someone like you. So did you take off the swim gear, take off the scuba gear, and run back up to, where the, in, to Alexandria for an interview, or did you just kind of say, mm, you know, I'll think about it, let me, you know. Well, my, fir my first interview was actually, uh, my first screening interviews, um, I was in Mexico uh, and did them on Skype uh, in, in the afternoons after coming off the dive boat in the morning. So that was that was uh, a good thing for me. And then I came back home. Uh, you know, when you're on a tourist visa, you can't stay down there forever. Uh, and so I uh, I would come home and uh, uh, for a little while after being down for a month or six weeks. Uh, so it was a process of going down and coming back for a little while, and, and uh, yeah, I, I shaved my beard and put on a suit and cut my hair and uh, did all those things because I had, uh, uh, I, I won't say I'd gone native, but I had certainly relaxed while I was down there. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> nothing at all wrong with that. And so what was the process like of, of being interviewed and then finally being offered the job? You know, it, it's 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 funny. Um, I spent hundreds of hours learning about APTA. I had known about physical therapy. My family has had uh, quite a few experiences with physical therapy, and I had uh, been lucky to be friends with physical therapists. So I had some folks who who 
describe their membership experience and, and, and tell me about the field and some of the challenges that had been occurring, walking all the way back to the balanced budget amendment in 1997 and all the kind of things that happened to APTA and to the field at that time when uh, payments were bundled uh, and uh, made differently. So I had some ancient background. I spent a lot of time doing what I call social listening, uh, re- you know, watching Twitter, uh, reading Facebook, uh, doing doing all of the media listening that I could, perusing the website, uh, getting um, uh, as much of the literature as I could to understand about the organization and the field and the challenges, and then talking with uh, as many people as I could both in and around physical therapy to learn about it. So I can't say that the search was easy or my experience was easy in that regard. But what I can say is that the themes and the challenges were felt very familiar to me. It, it was like putting, uh, while the acronyms were different and the um, uh, the language was different and the knowledge, uh, and the body of knowledge and skills are different between mental health and uh, physical therapy, the the music had a similar course line and the challenges that were that were being faced uh, by practitioners and by business owners. Uh, so that part felt easy, and, and so when it came time to go through the interview process, aside from the fact that I didn't always get the acronyms right, um, uh, you know, APTA has a lot of acronyms. Yes, um, I, uh, uh, it, it, that part felt remarkably familiar and easy to me. So I, it didn't really feel like I was interviewing. It felt like I was having a conversation with folks about common challenges, uh, and that that probably... Uh, made a difference in that search process. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned some of the challenges. So, let's talk about that for a second. So, you get you come back from Mexico, you get hired, you're you're now part of the APTA, you're the new CEO. What challenges did you have stepping into that role and how have those challenges changed over the past year since you've taken uh, taken over the helm? I think there are, there are several things I would say about that. There was sort of there's number one sort of the baseline entry level where you know you can be like a deer in the headlights every day because the fire hose is uh, missing metaphors there. But you know you're getting so much information that you have to learn and assimilate and try to make sense of. And I um, uh, one of one of my favorite old quotes and I cannot attribute it to anyone in particular is that. Hell is where nothing connects to anything else. So if you if you can't make connections, uh, you know, imagine something in your life where all of a sudden there was no logical or linear connection from one thing to another. So for a while, the whole uh, uh, just the notion of getting to know almost 200 staff people's names and uh, you know several thousand members' names and understand how all the parts of the organization fit together and uh, what those connections were and where uh, there were natural alliances and where there were tensions and conflicts and where there were things that were just unsettled because they had not been explicitly agreed to. That, there was a part of that that was a challenge for me, as it would be for anyone when you're stepping into a new system. There is an extremely competent staff here and an extremely uh, committed board and engaged membership. So I had a lot of support at that level and a lot of, a lot of patience, and then that was good. I think part of the challenge for that also is that there, uh, anytime you have a transition in CEO and there's a period where 
uh, you have an interim, and Bobby Paul Vinali did a great job as, as interim and, and, uh, and the team and, and helping the staff uh, stay focused. But uh, there, there does get to be some, a little bit of organizational drift and anxiety in a challenge like that. So it's partly uh, coming in and establishing a place with the staff and making sure that the organizational anxiety didn't get so high that you lose productivity or momentum in the work that you're doing. So there's that what I would call operational and almost technical aspects of, of being a good manager. But at, at the strategic level, what uh, APTA was uh, uh, undergoing, and I think what it, we are now undergoing, is something of a paradigm change, where uh, Vision 2020 in the organization had some very clearly defined objectives that were to be accomplished, and you could tell when you got those and when you hadn't. If you had direct access in all 50 states, that's something you could measure. It was very clear. You could check that off and you could see your progress. But in 2013, when the House of Delegates adopted a new motion, a new vision for the profession uh, of transforming society by optimizing movement to improve the human experience, and then when we began to ask what transformation looks like and began to talk about uh, what it means to be a doctoring profession and that you are uh, uh, not paid just for what you do with your hands but also what goes on between your ears and how you conceptualize a course of care and looking at the movement system and trying to understand an alternative payment system. There are so many big pieces that APTA is trying to accomplish now in changing a paradigm uh, about health and about this profession and how this profession is perceived that I think that the, the, the challenge is how to shift from a very quantifiable, uh, almost linear vision to one that is transformational, and how do you make that still, in my language, uh, have arms and legs so that you can understand what movement and what progress is. Because if I ask the 93,000 APTA members what transforming society would look like, I might get 93,000 different answers. Yeah, so we have to find a way to to define success in that vision so that we can then measure progress. And that's that, I think, is the big challenge for the organization because that has to do with what we do and what is, how is society going to look different, how does the profession need to be different to uh, impact society so that society is different, and how does the association as the enabling uh, agent of that and make sure that we line up and we're efficient and effective, uh, and resourceful, innovative in our programming and in our initiatives so that there is a cascade effect. And, and what are ways to, me to measure that? Like you said, with a doctoring profession, you can measure how many people have now gotten their doctorates or how many states have direct access or some form of it. Um, how do you measure transforming society? Are, does the APTA have parameters for that measurement? Because um, you're right, it, it isn't a very concrete, measurable statement. Because transforming society can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, depending on the context in which you're, you're living in your society. 
that makes sense. Yes, it, yes, it can. Uh, and and uh, and there can be competing visions of what transformation would look like, depending on the field or depending on the special interest group. I'm sure that chiropractic might not define transforming society quite the same way we would, uh, particularly when it relates to professional interests. So uh, <laughs> there are going to be issues about that. Uh, but what I hear and what... Uh, compelled me and impelled me, if you will, about APTA and what made this job so intriguing is, is the notion of shifting a paradigm about health and about movement as integral to health and how you talk about a physical therapist's role in ensuring that, uh, that when we talk about health, it includes the notions of movement and a movement system and PTs being movement experts and that uh, no matter how you think about chronic, chronic disease or acute injury, if you will, uh, that the reality is that what a physical therapist uniquely brings uh, to the healthcare arena can contribute to health in ways that we've never imagined before. So the more it, it is sequential, but to me, when you talk about how I am going to measure success, it is going to be: Are we finding credible? meaningful and uh, effective ways to demonstrate a, a different way of thinking about health and how physical therapists contribute to health. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think that movement is, is the key, and there's more and more uh, research coming out and more and more about movement in the news. I mean, the First Lady's whole whole uh, platform as being First Lady is, is part of is that Just Move campaign. Right. To get children to move, to get people to move, to get families to kind of move together. So, you know, if physical therapists can really take the lead in this, I think that that's certainly one way that we can be a part of transforming societies is being leaders in the movement for movement. And, and there are many tangible ways to measure whether we're making progress to that end. Uh, and they range from payment policy to having, uh, as we talked about in the most recent House of Delegates, having a whole taxonomy about uh, the movement system and how you consider disorders of movement and how you would treat them and how you build a body of evidence and how we show the multiple impacts. Uh, I, I, I think that... Uh, uh, there, there would be a way to show extreme cost offset by having physical therapists uh, not only intervene in people who have suffered injury or have some uh, impairment, but in in making ensuring health yeah, and uh, and and longevity and quality of life, and then lower utilization of healthcare in other ways. Uh, if if we do this right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think being more proactive. Uh, as well as being reactive. I think PTs can kind of get to get to people and get to society, if you will, on two very different fronts. And, and I think it's important as physical therapists that we embrace both of those. Yes, physical therapists have the opportunity to do things they've never done before just because of the emergence of technology, uh, robotics, and even our uh, emerging science about genetics. PTs will be able to be an integral part of a healthcare team dealing with some of the most intransigent and heartbreaking challenges and problems that humans have to deal with in terms of injury or impairment. Uh, so there is always going to be that line 
there's also the other side. If you can help people stay healthier longer, if you can uh, create less demand on the healthcare system, uh, that also has great value. We just have to show it and get people to pay for it. Yep. And I don't mean by people, individuals. I mean systems. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, that's that's where the hard part comes in, right? Um, right. Is figuring out ways to to pay for this and to pay for the expertise that we can bring to the table and, and even to be sort of part of the team and have that seat at the table. Yes, and that, that, that can't be done just by the organization. And that's partly why when the board established its strategic plan uh, in response to the vision uh, last summer, the three broad goal areas were uh, transforming uh, society. What do we do to remove barriers to uh, uh, make sure that physical therapists can deliver and add value in every venue and in every opportunity where they can? Transforming the profession. How do we make sure that uh, the physical therapy profession and professionals have the knowledge, skills, and abilities they need to seize these emerging opportunities? And then lastly, transforming the association. What do we need to do to make sure that we are uh, have the resources and the capability to help keep driving that agenda forward. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that those things take time, as you probably know. It doesn't, all of this doesn't come together in a couple of weeks or a couple of months or maybe in, even in a couple of years. I don't know. You would know better than I would, um, given your, you know, your background. So would you agree that it, these things do take a lot of time and that, the board has put forth a, a vision that can be attained? Uh, well, this is going to be a challenging vision. I mean, the vision for the profession is one, you know, transformation never ends. Uh, but uh, because society will always be changing, there will always be opportunities for us to, and knowledge never ends. So there will always be opportunities for improvement and growth in the field. But I think, yes, uh, in terms of the arc of change, uh, I think it, it takes uh, both a, a, a clear strategy and attention to a change management process, uh, patience and uh, uh, persistence. Uh, I, when I talk about the resources that we have available, I tend to put them in one of three categories. We have time, money, and people. And, you know, if you, if you don't have a lot of money and a lot of people, it's obviously going to take more time. Uh, if you have great people, you may can get by with not having so much money because your people are committed and willing to invest, but that still may take time. It's obviously optimal uh, to have a lot of money and a lot of people, and theoretically you can shorten the time frame. But what we're looking at, I think, is a lot of buildings, a lot of work in what I would call plumbing and wiring. I, I wouldn't want our members to get uh, – uh, or, or people who are not our members to look at APTA and say, you know, what's, what's it doing? Because the reality is uh, most of the work on the construction of a house is not stuff that looks particularly attractive or seems particularly meaningful. Uh, it starts to look like a house only in the final stages of building. Yep. And I'm not saying that people won't see progress. The plumbing and wiring matters and making sure that the foundation is secure. And those are all pivotal uh, components of trying to make paradigm change in healthcare. So we're trying to do something big. That means we're going to have to dig deep footers. We're going to have to be confident in our science and in our skills uh, and in our workforce and make sure that we can then demonstrate that the value and the quality uh, 
and that will be probably coming in smaller pieces, not in flash, uh, but uh, we want to do it right because we want to build something that's going to last for a long time. My, my, uh, my time frame, you know, APCA turns 100 in 2021. And the question that I began asking quietly, although I did ask it uh, at the House of Delegates last year, is what what do we want to do? What do we need to do now to get APTA and this profession ready for its next century? And that's the way I think we need to consider this: is to have a different conversation uh, uh, that has a longer lead time and a longer cycle, because we want to build something that's going to. Uh, be impactful at the systemic level and can scale, not just at the individual level. Knowing that at some point you've reached an inflection point. Uh, if you've read uh, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, you, that's where you want to get. You want to get to the point where things get easier. But uh, in the beginning, they're not so easy. Yeah, of course. And, you know, and, you know I love the uh, analogy to the house. And, you know, I was telling someone this the other day. Like, I watch a lot of HGTV. You know, uh-huh. so a lot of this one show, Love It or List It. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm addicted. I could watch it for like days on end. Mm-hmm. And people give Hillary, that's the name of the woman who, who redoes the homes. So people give Hillary X amount of money and they're always so mad when Hillary's team uncovers like knob and wire or knob and tube wiring or, you know, their foundations crack, they need a new roof. And they're always so angry because their money has to go towards this wiring or the roof or new footings or, or a big beam across their house so it doesn't collapse in the middle of a dinner party because people always want, you know, the granite countertops and they want it to look shiny and new and beautiful. But, you know, if you don't have all of that stuff set, your house will either crumble to the ground or burn. Right, right. So, you know, you, you, I, it, but I think it's very difficult, especially for, for APTA members and even people who aren't members, to look a little deeper and to know that the APTA is sort of layer, laying the foundation and the groundwork, like you said, the plumbing and the wiring, because people want to see things now. Yes, and, and members at the retail level, and, I'll, and by that I mean at the individual level, deserve to get meaningful value for the dollars, the dues dollars they invest every year. That there is, there is I, I am not one to suggest to people that they should, you know, just delay gratification forever. Uh, but meaningful value at the individual level uh, is not the same as, as building uh, a, a profession that's going to last for forever, and we want this profession to last forever. That, that requires a different mindset. The, the way I conceptualize it is, when you think about time frame, and, and I'll try to relate this to the member experience, but you know, my staff who answer the phones uh, in our member services department, I want them to be looking at the next 30 seconds. Uh, how can they answer this members, the, the, the person who they have on the phone right now? How can they answer their inquiry or address their issue or, or complete the transaction in a meaningful way that, uh, that is individually focused without uh, having the call queue build up and having abandonment of calls and having people, uh, the next 10 people feel frustrated because they can never get through. So their focus of attention is very short and very immediate and it's on solving immediate problems. But my supervisors in that area, I want to be looking at 
what's our trend line on calls and how are we getting them and how, is there a trend on the kind of calls we're getting and is there something we need to do differently to not only make sure we serve people well, but is there something systemic we can do to make some of those questions or concerns or queries go away because we've answered that for members in some other way. My directors, I want to be looking in the quarter. How are we making sure we're building? My senior VPs, I want to be looking this year. What's our work plan? How are we going to make sure? The board needs to be asking questions two or three or five years out. Uh, and, and so the focus of attention about where we want to go and the latency between making a decision and having the gratification of seeing the decision come to fruition uh, gets longer uh, at once you get into leadership. And I think sometimes that's hard for members to make the equation that we're trying to operate both at a retail level, at an individual member level, make sure that they get value, but at the same time serve those longer-term needs where we're asking questions that it's just not going to get right for a long time, and we have to be okay with that. Yeah, no, that I think that makes a lot of sense, and it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to balance that. It's for for any organization. I think that's a hard balance. Um, so let's let's talk about kind of where you see uh, the APTA going. We've talked a little bit about that. I love how you sort of pose that question of what do you see happening for the next century. I think that's a really uh, for in the year 2021, but let's talk about you know what what do you feel the APTA can can become, and what would you like people to think about your legacy uh, with the APTA? Uh, yeah, for, first I want to you know say that you know I stand on the shoulders of very successful people. If, if you walk around this town. Washington DC uh, and and talk with a lot of different uh, a wide cross-section of the of this community in this town APTA is a widely respected uh, organization uh, we have a footprint that uh, is uh, that our members should be proud of because just coming in from the outside uh, I, I can tell you that there is a, a recognition that as as an organization I can't I can't say uh, you know, in the boxing vernacular that we always punch above our weight, but we do a lot of the times. Uh, we're able to engage in and uh, affect change. Uh, the, the legacy part for me, is, though, is that recognizing that, that, that as effective as we have been, uh, the world is changing and the resources are so much more immense that have either countervailing interests to this profession or just, uh, uh, or we just compete for airtime. Uh, so, uh, the, the, the analogy that I use is that there is one network, uh, that has decided it, in the next presidential election to try to influence the election. Just one network run by a couple of brothers and you know, uh, you know who they are, uh, that, that they're going to spend almost a billion dollars. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. That's one network. It, it's estimated that the next presidential election is going to cost uh, $20 billion is to win. Is that crazy? Uh, well, it, it is, but that's, and that's one election for one office for four years. That's right. APTA's budget is $45 million a year. So, you know, as strong and as well-resourced as we are, and as... Uh, as committed as our members are and engaged as we are, 
Uh, and we can be proud of that, but we also must recognize that to be successful, we must really prioritize well. Uh, we have to sequence well. We have to align. We have to all be pulling in the same direction. Uh, and, and we have to be comfortable with that uh, because we always are going to have to be punching above our weight or, or uh, to uh, be effective. And so if I think, if you ask me my, my legacy, uh, I would want at, at, in my tenure to have, have APTA's reputation not just maintained, but I would like to make it so that we play regularly uh, in venues or on issues that people would say, man, I didn't know they would be able to do that that we found a way to, to organize our parts, to align our parts for the chapters or sections, whether it's staff, leadership, board, get coalesce around the common vision, around the direction, understand what needs to happen first, second, and third for us to be successful. And uh, it doesn't mean that the third is less important. It's just that if we do the first and second thing well, the third gets easier. Um, and and that we move forward in a, in a coordinated fashion. My, my, I see my legacy, if I were going to define it as successful, is helping the organization coalesce around the center and move forward together. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a wonderful legacy to leave. And it's almost like bringing the organization to the level where like you kind of mentioned in the beginning, it can kind of gain that momentum and and start kind of moving on its own. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. always having to be so closely steered and, and manned, but that it's it's something that that can become much larger and, and much more, I don't want to say efficient, because I think it's pretty efficient um, right now, but... Um, something that can become this self-propulsion type of an organization that keeps getting larger and larger. Yes, and the thing that I asked uh, actually with component leaders this, this June was uh, how, do we, how do we make sure that all the different parts, the sections and the chapters, what is the overlapping part of the Venn diagram? Mm. And how do we ensure that we're not... Um, uh, recreating the wheel or, or creating inefficiencies by having redundancy that we don't need to have. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. Uh, in, in the midst of that conversation, uh, one of the uh, chapter presidents said, you know, uh, for the first time this year, we took APTA, the vision that the House passed, and the APTA's three large goal areas of transforming society and the profession and the association. And we used that as our template, and we tried to then look and see what APTA is doing and ask how can we amplify and extend that. And in the past, we would have thought that was lazy. We would have felt like we needed to do our own work and come up with our own vision and come up with our own de definitions and our own direction and our own goal statements. But what we realized is that there's an opportunity cost to that. And to me, that kind of thing it is progress for us, sure. uh, where because we get alignment and we get more congruence and we can get a greater impact. Uh, so if we have 51 chapters and 18 sections, all believing that the only way they can demonstrate uh, diligence and commitment to the profession is by all doing different things, it does create inefficiencies in a system. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it becomes a little chaotic. 
it, it does, and, and it's very hard. You spend your time forming committees to talk to one another about the different plans you have when maybe if we started earlier in the process and formed a committee to talk about how we work together on areas where there is overlap, uh, we might resolve some of those coordination issues on the backside. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, moving, moving that intervention point earlier in the process, much like getting PT first. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Instead of forming committees to talk about how they can form other committees to talk about moving this committee forward. Yes, or, or coordinating just, between various ones. Yeah, forming a committee to coordinate all the committees when maybe the committees can coordinate first. Yeah, and and those are, those are those sound simple and small and maybe way organizational and people might roll their eyes, but the reality is, uh, we we have to, given what I just said about the immensity of resources that are that are going to make noise in other directions, we want to make sure that we're all pulling together. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we've got a couple of minutes left here. So um, if you were to kind of sum up the talk today and, and maybe sum up sort of what you've done over the past year at the APTA, what would that be? What would that sound like? Uh, that's a great question. I'm totally um, putting you on the spot. <laughs> I think that aside from doing a lot of listening, uh, which is what I uh, uh, was committed to doing, uh, I, I think um, I, I, there's two ways to put it. There's personal and then there. Uh, personally for me, it is, is listening and then asking questions that lead us forward. Uh, I don't think as a leader my style so much is to say, uh, I have found the path forward. Follow me, everyone. Follow me. That's mm -hmm. uh, you know you, you can do that, and you can do that on a platform. And you want to uh, have people uh, uh, feel allegiance to and commitment to and excitement about a common vision. But I think the natural way that I would want to get there is by having us all get in the room and say, you know, what's really most important to us, and what's really most important for this field, and how do we together find a way forward to articulate that and then to make it come true. And it, that's what I have tried to do since I've been here, and that's what I'm going to keep trying to do. I think out of that comes the inspirational speech, or out of that comes the common vision. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's around all of us finding that and finding that together and then moving forward with uh, dedication and diligence. Well, I think that sounds like a great, uh, a great plan, and I hope that, you know, through your leadership that that sort of uh, working as a team and coming together around that common vision uh, continues to happen over the next couple of years. So uh, thank you so much for, for being a dedicated CEO to the APTA. And, uh, and thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day today to come on. Well, thanks for giving me the uh, chance to chat with you. I look forward to doing it more. Great. Excellent. All right. So, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today, and be sure to tune in uh, next week. New episodes uh, come on every Monday, and if you like what you're hearing, please go to iTunes and show that you like it by leaving a rating or recommending it, to, recommending the show to someone else. So, uh, uh, on behalf of myself, Michael Bowers, thank you so much for tuning in today. Have a great week, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.